0: Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Carney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for tuning in. Let's pray. God, you speak to us as we read scripture. So send, therefore, your Holy Spirit to open our ears, our hearts, and our minds, so that we may hear your message for us today. Amen. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good... As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here ends our reading. So this begins a a new year. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, and a new sermon series, and if you'd like more information about that sermon series, you can check the website. You should be able to go to, uh, oh goodness, uh, uh, carnefirstumc.org. Then uh, I think you can click the lines or the dots and uh, find About Us, and then there's Pastor's Blog, and they'll have more information about the series as well as some other scriptures, where we're going. And if there are any other kind of... There are questions uh, that we might ponder in relation to the series. So uh, you could use those for your small group or your Sunday school class or to have preacher for lunch, anything along that line. Uh, those would be useful. I would also say that there are a few announcements. We did not have a video announcement today, which is totally fine. But uh, we are inviting people to uh, consider ways that they can participate in the ministry and the life of the church. So uh, you can contact me if you are looking at joining uh, you can contact Anne if you're looking at uh, doing sliders and button clicking for uh, Sunday morning worship. You can talk to Janine or to me about uh, if you'd like to help with either children's ministry or um, youth ministry. Uh, and if uh, you'd like to drive with the East Lawn Food Pantry, there are still spots on Sunday mornings at 11 and Saturdays uh, in the mornings. So those are some ways that we can participate together in the life and ministry of the church. But let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us that as we ponder together our reading of Scripture in our experience of you across our lives and across tradition, tradition. That we may be emboldened to know and love and follow you together. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Author Jonathan Safran uh, Foyer was uh, shocked by his grandmother and the the story she was telling. He was sitting at the table with her one afternoon and she was telling him about uh, her childhood when she uh, was growing up in Europe during World War II and was fleeing for her life. Uh, She shared about uh, how uh, she and others uh, were just starving. And she says, no, no, not just skin and bones, but we had sores on our bodies. We, were, uh, we would eat anything that we could find or take or trade for and things that other people wouldn't ever have thought to eat. We would eat from the garbage. We would eat things that other people had already thrown out that said it was no good. And then she tells, but there were good people. And she ta- remembers that there was a, a Russian man who saw her plight and went and got some meat and gave it to her. And Jonathan says, Grandma, that, that man saved your life. And she says, No, I didn't eat it. You didn't eat it? It was pork. What? Why didn't you eat it? Because it was, wasn't kosher? Y- yes. Why, why else? See, Jonathan Saffron Four's grandmother lived a different sort of story. It wasn't so much about rules as it was about a sense of who she was, a certain kind of people, and she would live as that certain kind of people even if it cost her dearly. When Pastor Song Lee and I arrived here and were appointed here just over two years ago, uh, we hosted conversations with church folk. Many of you participated. We uh, sought to learn about the church and the community, and people coming to those meetings also were seeking to learn about the church, and they would say, Pastor, who are we as church, and uh, where are we going, and what is it that defines us? And so we've spent the last two years with the leadership teams of the church and the administrative council particularly uh, seeking to learn and discern our answers to that question. And so uh, this sermon series uh, today, which is the first, uh, is a part of our answers uh, to that question But the challenge of that is that we likely, as this church, have never had to answer that question before. Uh, Because our world has gone through changes. So. We've never answered that before because it was enough for us and for the people of the community to know that Carney First United Methodist Church is the First United Methodist Church. Or we're the church that has a big steeple and is downtown. Or the church that burned. Or the church that is up on the hill near the mall. That's how I knew it in college. Or we understood that everyone that we knew and everyone in the community was Christian. And being Christian meant showing up to the church and participating in its ministries at once to twice a week. There was a gravitational force and a cultural pressure to be part of church. And we've never had to then ask, who are we? Because we didn't need to. And yet, our world is not precisely the same as it was. And some of those assumptions or expectations feel different or don't play out the same. So it's important time to work on alignment and clarity about who we are together. But what I'm deeply convinced of is that that question is not a question of what particular beliefs or rules uh, define us and set us apart, but instead, what particular way does God call us to be a people And I think we have some good support for that trajectory with the Apostle Peter. See, Peter writes to the, the Christian community that is spread out and in different places along what we now know as Turkey, uh, the Mediterranean border and Turkey. And so he writes to them, and we have to read between the lines of the text to hear what he's seeking to address. But what we hear... His answers, his letter is an answer to at least this question. What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the ecclesia, the gathering, in this particular time in our lives? What does it mean to be followers of Jesus when the people around us don't live and worship like we do? Which sounds like an appropriate, meaningful sort of question for us. So Peter writes to seek to answer this question. And he does so by beginning with explaining and reminding them of the foundational belief of the church. And then invites them, as importantly, to consider what kind of people being a follower of Jesus looks like. So Peter opens the letter in chapter 1, telling about who he is and who he's writing to, and then praises God, God the Father, who has given us a new birth through Jesus. This is how he explains it. Then he continues on as our passage was read today and says that it's not just that God gives us a new birth, but that God will continue to nourish us so that we can grow into our full salvation. And this is how we understand in our tradition, and uh, we're not the sole purveyors of this concept, but the concept of sanctifying grace. The idea that and belief that God is at work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make us holy, to grow us up, to transform our hearts and our lives and our minds so that we might be more like Jesus and more and more connect us to who God is. So he says that We've been given a new birth and God uh, will grow us from our new birth through to spiritual maturity and then and you have been you are being built by God as a house of the Holy Spirit. you are a chosen people, you are a royal nation, you are a holy priesthood so that you can be my witnesses so that you can praise God and in your praise and living, others will see Jesus. See, we might have expected Peter to write to this early Christian community spread out across a region in the midst of a people who lived and believed and worshipped differently than they did. We might have expected him to give them a, a long set of rules and a long set of beliefs. And admittedly, Peter does include in the rest of his letter other explicit instructions uh, that are contextually appropriate and applicable. But what is fascinating to me is that he keeps it simple. He keeps it simple and says, praise God that God has worked in you and God has given you this new birth in Jesus and then is continuing to grow you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He proclaims what God is doing rather than saying, This is what you need to do. He says, you, God calls you, God claims you in Jesus to be a particular kind of people so that others would know God's good news in Jesus too. And hearing Peter emphasize who God is and God's action of claiming the early Christian community in, uh, through Jesus in the Spirit so that they can be God's witnesses of good news becomes a framework for us answering or beginning to answer, who are we as church? If we follow Peter's uh, example here, perhaps we don't need to Create our new Nicene Creed. And perhaps we don't need to uh, post again uh, our uh, articles of religion on our website in order to say who we are. But instead, if we're following Peter's example, then we first look to who Jesus is when defining ourselves. And so we recognize that we, like the Christian community of Peter's letter, are a people who are being given a new birth by God in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That God is continuing to do that work of birthing and growing us towards spiritual maturity through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be His witnesses. Then if we look at what that witness life looks like, we together have recognized that uh, our foremost revelation of who God is growing us into is Jesus. So we hear Jesus with his greatest commandments and his great commission saying, go and love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself and then go and be my disciples, teaching them everything I have taught you so that they would come to know me too. So it's not so much that we are uh, a people of set rules and beliefs as much as we are a certain kind of people seeking to let Jesus' witness of loving God and neighbor and making disciples of Jesus our foremost guideposts. Now, admittedly still, folks might say, well, that's all fine and good, Pastor, but could you just explain that a little bit more clearly? Could you give me a clear list I mean, other churches, other traditions, other uh, churches in our community often have very clear and explicit and longer lists of these things we do, these things we don't do, and these things we believe, and these things we don't believe. Pastor, what about that? And without being disparaging, I can appreciate those. And yet it's not who we've been and not who we as United Methodists typically are. We are a people who seek most to be shaped and formed by this good news of Jesus and letting that good news shape and form our minds and our hearts and our lives. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, writes in a 1764 letter to various clergy people. He's been getting the same question. John, Pastor John, who are we as a Methodist movement? What defines us? And he says, well, these are the essential beliefs. A belief in original sin. A belief in the justification by faith. And a belief in... God's sanctifying grace that makes us holy and transformed living and transforms our lives. Three things. People ask, what are the essential United Methodist Methodist beliefs, John? Three things believe and recognize that we are a people who are in need of saving because we live within the condition of sin. Believe that Jesus has been God's answer to that condition and that all we must do is believe and receive Him. And a belief that receiving Him will transform our lives. It sounds an awful lot like Peter and uh, how his letter takes shape. And so we might want sometimes to be... uh, a people that, uh, or a church that has a very clear list of ins and outs and do's and don'ts and beliefs that make us fit or not fit. But these three beliefs are standard for us. And it just hasn't been our way and isn't our way to tell each other this is what you have to do in order to be church together. It's like the table that Christ invites us all to. And so, we are not a church that says, you have to believe all these things exactly like this. Though we do have beliefs and good arguments and convictions. And... We're not a church that says that we have to collectively agree on all things. Though it often is the case that we will find some consensus as well as some difference. But we are, as a church, a people who recognize that God has moved first in our lives through Jesus to uh, make us new. That God claims us in Jesus, and in that claim, invites us to respond with our lives. Because it's beautiful. Because it's sometimes challenging. Because it shows God's good news to others. So, we are a people seeking to respond to who God is calling us to be. We are people who are responding to what God has done in Jesus, and we are people who are seeking to let the Holy Spirit make us more like Jesus, who calls us to love God and our neighbor and make disciples of him. And so we're a people who ask questions of one another and ourselves, questions like these. Jesus, at the beginning of this new year, what does it look like for me and for us to let my desire to love you shape my actions? Jesus, at the beginning of this new year, what does it look like for me and for us to love my neighbor well with your love? Jesus, at the beginning of this new year, Can you show me how I've been doing at walking with you as your disciple? And can you help me go from where I am to where you see me going? And can you help me help others do this too? We're people who seek to respond to God's claim in our lives uh, through Jesus so that others would know God's good news as for them. As the coming weeks will show, we'll also explore the ways that we have certain marks together as church, Uh, what we call values, uh, things that drive our behaviors. And we'll talk about being a people who are uh, called and aspire to be Holy and gracious, caring and equipping. Not in that order, but we will then uh, seek to share and celebrate ways in which God has indeed been growing us. But we're people on the move to love God and our neighbors as disciples of Jesus. Bishop Will Willimon, in his United Methodist Beliefs book, uh, says this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't go around uh, the countryside uh, then uh, teaching people and telling them all the greatest ideas and says, do you agree? Instead, Jesus goes throughout the countryside uh, enacting a different sort of community, a different sort of relationship, a different sort of politics, a different sort of economics, a different form of life together. And he asks, will you join up with me? Will we join up with Jesus? Jesus is the gospel question in response to Jesus' good news action that claims us as God's own. See, God indeed claims us as God's holy people, God's chosen priesthood, God's uh, house for God's self so that we can be a people of praise and our praise may be a witness and our witness may reveal God's grace to others. So may we, in this year, as we explore who we are, also be affirmed that God has first named and claimed us, and that God calls us together to respond as a certain sort of people. And may our lives, like the story of uh, Jonathan uh, Saffron Foer's grandmother, who lived by a certain story. May people see us living by this certain story in which love of God and love of neighbor and our growth as disciples with certain values, may they see our story and see Jesus and hear him claiming them too. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.